0: Podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Comics, Nebraska. I just need you to say you're listening to the Two Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and
1: Matt. It might be better if I get a representative to handle that. Hang on just a second while I transfer you. Welcome to episode 46 of THN, where Joe and I are naked and talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, December 14th. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not having my excitement squashed by my co-host. After he points out that the Joe Casey that's following me on Twitter might not be the real Joe no, Casey. No, is not that Joe Casey. I'm sticking with Mike. I'm writing about and appraising comics for wordpoint.com. And I'm Joe
2: Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online. And when I'm not calmly explaining to Matt that his time in the limelight is over, and all the comic professionals want to follow me, because it's Joe's turn to shine... I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha,
1: Nebraska. This week, THN reviews The Uncanny X-Force, number 18, from Marvel, and Star Wars, Agent of the Empire, Iron Eclipse, that's gotta be like a tie for longest title ever. Long title. From Dark Horse. After that, we'll review 10 comics so fast you'll hardly notice the almost complete lack of indie titles this week in the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. Where Weird Mystic Writes will tell us about next week's comics. And we'll premiere another THN Web Extra, The State of, where this week we'll be discussing the state of DC's Batgirl. But before we get to all that nincompoopery, let's demand that Barry Bond's sentence be changed to a trial by combat, wherein he and Manny Ramirez are attached to giant rubber bands, Thunderdome style, given baseball bats, while fans of the two cheaters and liars chant, Two men enter, one man gets into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and then we'll talk about this week's big news.
2: And another example of the internet trying to ruin comics for me, a very public, very heated argument between former Amazing Spider-Man writer J. Michael Straczynski and current Spidey editor Steve Wacker broke out on Facebook this week. It all started when JMS posted a chart showing the steady decline of Amazing Spider-Man sales along with the caption, Sales of the Amazing Spider-Man since my departure. Just saying.
1: Spoken like a masterful writer.
2: (laughs) Wacker was quick to respond, coming to the defense of his creative team and making several points about the bias and inaccuracy of the figures, as well as chiding JMS for what he viewed as a petty, mean-spirited attack on the post-one-more-day Spidey creators. Now, of course, Steve Wacker is much more funny and sarcastic, (laughs) and
1: so... Yeah, you've got to read this. You can
2: imagine Wacker said, quote... Yes, you are one of the bigger names in the comics industry. Congratulations. You've earned the title. It's a shame, though, that the title doesn't come with more class. Just saying. (laughs) As with all Facebook debates, both parties continued their snide back and forth until Straczynski decided he had had enough and deleted the thread. But not before Mark Wade stepped in to share his thoughts. Wade, who has never wanted to sugarcoat his opinions, wrote, quote, Dick move, Joe. Flat out, a dick move, and you know it. Wade went on to say, I understand Wacker's frustration. Maybe he overreacted a bit in the way good friends do react when they perceive their friends and employees being attacked by a bitter man with a bottomless ego. Ooh. And later, If anyone doubted you were doing it for anything other than informational purposes, adding, Just saying was the snartacular icing on the cake. No one says just saying unless they're doing exactly the opposite of just saying. <laughs> Now, that's only part of the post. You can read the whole thing at bleedingcool.com. And it's worth a read. But the grand finale of Wade's post is perhaps the most delicious part. Half an hour later, still fuming at JMS's shitty passive aggressiveness, I should probably go walk it off. Maybe with a long walk. A long, dull, pointless, boring walk across America that I won't finish. (laughs)
1: End quote. <laughs> this is, of course, in reference to his JMS's most recent run on Superman, which saw Superman walking across the country until JMS suddenly left the book. I,
2: To be fair, I think DC moved him onto the sequel of superman earth one
1: i think regardless this is not still, the first time jms like, has suddenly he bailed left from the, the book like after the fourth month <laughs> yeah and i mean he's bailed from a few books there's but that's not the point of, of the story not finished uh, the point of the story the point of is, the story is i totally agree with wacker and Rainier. i am
2: on team wacker on this one you
1: have to be there's no other way to look at this the only way i can excuse this is as someone who has maybe gotten on facebook When he had a little more to drink than he should have and said something (laughs) kind of snarky. And if that's the case, I understand JMS did it. But guess what? You can make those go away at any time. You get rid of that crap. You don't respond to this. There's no defense for this. This is plain old snarky and lame. Totally unprofessional. And it actually went on beyond this.
2: The original thread was deleted, but not before Bleeding Cool was able to act on it and save some bits. Right. He posted another post on a fan page restarting the thing and saying, I'm not asking for comments. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, blah, blah, blah. There's no way to dig yourself out of this. Every Steve Walker came back to respond again and again and again. And every time Straczynski deleted Wacker's comments. Yeah,
1: I mean, that just looks like crap. And not to mention that (laughs) the facts and figures he took were from a blogger who blatantly hates what they're doing with Spider-Man right now. And And actually hated Straczynski as well. Yeah, hated Straczynski as well, but put up this number out of nowhere, left out a bunch of issues, left out a bunch of sales information. Like, the chart doesn't even make sense.
2: Right. I mean, it's true that sales have declined, but sales for the industry as a whole have declined. sales on
1: everything has declined. Yeah,
2: it's just basically a really, really dick move, (laughs) as everybody was saying. And there's no way Straczynski does not look like The villain in this. Yeah,
1: pointless, classless, and I just lost a lot of respect for a guy I didn't have a whole lot of respect left for.
2: Yeah, and seriously, just saying, please. We all know what it means. Yeah, give me a break. Don't try to act innocent.
1: In movie news, the six-minute prologue to Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises hit IMAX theaters in select cities today, attached to the latest Tom Cruise joint, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. But... Festivus came early for some lucky fans, thanks to an online promotion that allowed them to see the prologue for the first time free this past Tuesday. While I was too busy moving couches and getting, quote, supers drunk to attend, True story. DHN's very own intrepid reporter, Joe Patrick, was our man on the scene. Joe, what did you see? What did you think?
2: Tell us everything! I don't know what I was expecting, but Batman is not in it.
1: (laughs) Well, this is just supposed to be an introduction to Bane. It's true.
2: And the lady from the theater came out and gave like a little speech that she had to read from Warner Brothers or whatever. Right. That was basically saying that this was the first few minutes of the actual film. I don't know how much I should say or spoil. No spoilers.
1: No spoilers, dude.
2: But it centers around Bane and it's your first taste. It was our first
1: taste of Bane in action. And he is super scary. Let me ask you this. Let's say... I have no interest in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Should I pay the money to go to the IMAX theater to see this prologue? Oh, no. Absolutely not. Okay. I mean... Even if I'm a Dark Knight super fan, but it, I refuse to accept Tom Cruise's stupid religion and therefore punish all <laughs> his, <laughs> his on-screen appearances.
2: I was expecting it to be an original prologue. We may
1: have totally misreported that, too.
2: And I think the, that's what common thought was, is okay. that it was an original prologue, but really it's just the opening scene. Oh, and it's fine. And file I mean,
1: that amongst our journalistic failures.
2: Well, I don't think it was just us. I, we got our, we steal our information from others, man. Yes, but we can only take credit <laughs> for our own failures. Uh, the bottom line is, though, it was great. It was a, a very reminiscent of the opening scene of The Dark Knight. It was, it was phenomenal. Bane is really scary and really tough. The only thing I will say that's in the negative is that he was really hard to understand
1: hmm. through that mask.
2: And I've heard other reports about that and how Warner Brothers
1: kind of wants Nolan to change like the William voice. Like Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin, hard to understand? Like. No, worse, because he's,
2: he, speaks in a, <laughs> he speaks in a thick accent, and then it sounds like he's trying to talk through a muzzle. Uh. And so it was just really, he was really unclear. That said, though, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And much like the Captain America, you know, credit teaser, it melded into a trailer, a new trailer. The Dark Knight Rises. I wouldn't pay extra money to see it unless you're already gonna see Mission Impossible. But I'm here to tell you if you're worried about the Dark Knight Rises, don't be, because it was radical.
1: Finally, it's with sadness that we report the deaths of two comic book legends, Joe Simon, co creator of Captain America, and Eduardo Barreto, a longtime DC artist, best known for his work on the new Teen Titan series. Both passed away this week. Barreto, father of the irredeemable artist, Diego Barreto is best known for picking up the artistic reins on Marv Wolfman's new Teen Titans after the departure of George Perez. Barreto went on to illustrate Lex Luthor, the unauthorized biography, considered by many to be his best work, and was recently providing art for classic comic strips Judge Parker and The Phantom. He was 57 when he died, which is way too young. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was like complications from meningitis. Well, he had meningitis last year
2: and he had recovered. Not a good way to go. Yeah.
1: Joe Simon was a household name to most comic fans and was one of the last remaining legends of the Golden Age. The longtime partner of Jack Kirby produced a staggering body of work during his decades in the comic industry, including stories for Golden Age Sandman, Manhunter, The Boy Commandos, and National, which later became DC Comics. Of course, his legacy will be forever tied to his most famous creation captain america when marvel killed cap in 2007 simon found himself in the spotlight when asked about cap's death simon famously replied quote this is a time when we need captain america more than ever he was 98 that is it for this week's big news If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything else you think we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where I'll be chiding Joe for mentioning the death of two legends as a last news story, making it impossible for me to say anything funny on this part. What an asshole. I think that's the third time
2: we've used the word chiding this episode.
1: Chiding, chiding, chiding. Yes. What the
0: hell? What is it with us?
1: Review time is here. And as always, Joe and I had a crotch punching contest. I gave up after punching Joe's to mysteriously no effect whatsoever. So take it away, DJ. What are
2: you trying to say? Mm. I have no crotch. Is there
1: something you want to tell us?
2: I reviewed Star Wars Agent of the Empire Iron Eclipse, number one of five, written by John Ostrander, penciled by Stefan or Stefania Rue. He French. <laughs> inked by Oh boy. Julien Huguenard Bert. But wait, it gets
1: worse. <laughs> and colored by Wes zioba i'm going yeah don't say the or Zioba. D- let's go Zioba. yeah it's d-z-i-o-b-a i apologize to all of europe sorry wes
0: i feel like wes is not european <laughs> i don't know <laughs>
2: starting in this is not the solicitation this is the intro on the inside cover and i imagined it to be like the yellow yeah, the rolling credits into the background in star wars imperial power is at its height with Palpatine on the throne and his chief enforcer Darth Vader leading fleets of Star Destroyers and legions of stormtroopers across the galaxy, the Empire is an unstoppable force for order and peace. But not every political problem requires military might. Not every negotiation depends on a show of force. Sometimes all diplomacy needs to succeed is the right man in the right place, with the willingness to get the job done, no matter what it takes. Meet. Jahan? Jahan. Let's call him Jahan. Meet Jahan Cross, agent of the Empire. That hooked me. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, Now, I was always more of a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan. Like I like Star Wars and everything, but I, I never got obsessive about the continuity. I didn't read any of the expanded books. And believe it or not, this is my first ever Star Wars expanded universe comic. I have never read a single Star Wars comic. Really? Yep. This was my first. And beyond the, the text crawl at the beginning, there's a tagline right on the front cover that grabbed my attention. Stormtroopers are the Empire's hammer. This man is its scalpel. Ew. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I need to know more about it. The creative team, though, also caught my attention. I am a fan of John Ostrander, and I have been for years. He wrote the phenomenal Spectre series in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also... Is the guy that created Barbara Gordon's Oracle identity yep, in the, pages, the pages, of pages of Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yep. Now Stefan or Stefania, I'm gonna say Stefania. St- let's go with Stefan. All right. Stephanie Roux <laughs> is a really talented French artist. And the last time I saw his work was on the Zatanna ongoing series, which, which was beautiful. It was, yeah, it was a good book. It beautiful. ended uh, you know, when the reboot happened. He also had a nice run on Birds of Prey. And he is the one that did a lot of those DC motivational posters, uh, the ads and the books that came out right around Final Crisis. And they were all about villains. Yeah. Yeah, they were great. And uh, so I was
1: <laughs> too uh, bad about Final Crisis, though. Well, huh? Yeah, you know,
2: <laughs> I, and so I was attracted to the creative team. I don't know. I don't know why I had this impression, but I never really thought that anybody super impressive worked on the Star Wars books.
1: Ostranger's been writing no, really good Star no Wars offense, stuff everybody. for Dark Horse for quite a while, for a lot of years.
2: And that's what I came to find out while yeah. I was researching this book. So we open up with Cross confronting a corrupt Empire official, and the secrets he uncovers are what kind of springboard him into the plot. And uh, he's headed into the corporate sector where the Empire's reach can't protect him. Which doesn't sound scary or dangerous at all. No. So, basically, this book is about the Star Wars universe's James Bond. He's got his own version of M, who is kind of a bastard. He's got his version of Q, who is an alien's weapons designer. And he's even got, like, a sexy lady sidekick in the form of a backflipping, blaster-wielding droid called Inga.
1: Well, it's I-N-G-A-4. Right, and he calls her Inga. (laughs) Inga, which is rad. It is. Uh, and as we said, the art is gorgeous. I really like Stefan Rue's work. The art that he does here is not, it's not as clean as it looked in Zatanna. This is a little more dirty and it feels like a Star Wars book. This looks like Star Wars Well, art and it's theme. true. And I wonder if it's more the coloring because the coloring does
2: set the tone from scene to scene. Yeah. Like at the beginning where Cross is confronting the corrupt colonel, it's got like a red wash and the scenes in the Imperial facilities are, you know, cold and sterile colored. And so the coloring really complemented the art. Yeah, and this
1: looks like a Star Wars story. Yeah,
2: and I really loved like how Ostrander was able. Like at times, I forgot that I was reading about the Empire. Ostrander was able to make someone sympathetic to the Empire seem like the hero. The book is everything great about the original trilogy. It felt like a Star Wars book, but it still offered something completely different that doesn't require linking the story. To that mythology. But
1: it was linked. They talk about Count Dooku. They It's linked to the characters. It's linked to
2: the characters, but it's not drawing explicitly on those stories. Right. Uh, and, you know, he, he, Ostrander even ties crosses past in with everyone's favorite scruffy nerf herder, Han Solo. Hey-oh. It was really great. And I am definitely interested in more of this series, and I think that I'll probably track down some trades of the older books. You should. D- at least the stuff by Ostrander. The
1: Ostrander comics that he did at Dark Horse have been great, and- Okay, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, but I am one of those Star Wars nerds that has been to the edge, stood and looked down, you know, and, <laughs> you like, blink. judged something inside myself and realized I can't be a Star Wars fan anymore. Okay, I'm not going to go into the episode one, two, and three hate. We all know the story, but that's where I'm at. And I think I have unfairly punished Dark Horse's Star Wars because of how I felt about George Lucas's latest trilogy and what he did to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Because if I could have them go back in time and redo those movies any, any way possible, I would say get in touch with the Dark Horse guys who have been maintaining Star Wars continuity since way—I mean, for more than almost 20 years. Yeah, probably. Right? And say, early hey, 90s. guys, you've been knocking it dead. Want to help us write some new Star Wars movies? Because their comics are excellent. They're really, really good. Well, I'm convinced. And this is a great book, and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And unfortunately, I've punished Dark Horse for what George Lucas did to Star yeah. Wars. And it's not right, because this is a great book. I give it a strong buy it. Likewise, I am convinced. I'm going to keep with this series,
2: and I will probably pick up some more stuff in the future.
1: Buy it. Matt? That's me. What did you read this week? I read Uncanny X-Force number 18 from Marvel, written by Rick Remender, with art by... Jerome Opinia, and Esad Ribic. This is the conclusion of the eight-part Dark Angel story that some of us thought would never, ever end. It has lasted forever. This book sees Angel finally ascending to the throne as the new incarnation of Apocalypse after losing the fight to control his alter ego, Archangel, that was created by the real Apocalypse way back in the first X-Factor run. Way back. Jerome Opinia... Teamed with Ribbick on this issue, and the results were near perfect. Breathtaking, absolutely beautiful. They uh, Dean White is the colorist here, and the color is amazing. There has not been an X book with this distinct of a look since Jim Lee and Will Sportacio took over the Uncanny X Men. There is certainly I mean,
2: no, there's no debate that Dean White is not an artist because he is incredible. Every book he colors, uh, whether he's coloring like Ultimates or Billy Tan did some fill-in issues, and Dean White colored them, and it made, like, I don't really care for Billy Tan, yeah, and but Billy that, Tan those issues really were good. amazing.
1: I don't, th- I honestly, I don't think I've read an X title that has looked this good. No. This is just beautiful. I can't say enough about their art. What Opinia is doing rivals Mobius in some panels, as far as I'm concerned, and I love Mobius. I love what that guy does, but it is rich. It is Thick. The backgrounds are beautiful. The characters look amazing. The designs are great. It's so
2: detailed, too. Yeah,
1: And Dean White has this ability to use, like, ridiculous amounts of pinks and bright blues, neon greens, and still convey this very dark tone to this book. I mean, it it's psychedelic and bizarre and scary. And they're in this psychedelic world that Apocalypse is recreating Well, X-Force is, of course, trying to stop. Somewhere on Earth. They kind of like terraformed a, a, a like a mile right chunk, and they're gonna start and they the kick-started, Earth like a hyperspeed over. evolution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is a story that started with the beginning of Remender's run and led to this issue. We've seen Angel lose more and more control to his Archangel persona, all the while X Force has been moving to stop the rise of Apocalypse. That's kind of been what they were put together for, but. We've seen that maybe they've been gently guided by Archangel the whole time to bring about this new reign of apocalypse. Oh, snap. And Remender has been so good on this book, on the storytelling, just gently guiding it to the place it needs to go. There was never a point in this story where I got bored. It's true. I loved it. Not to mention the fact... I would say
2: to that point, it's not that it's been long-winded, it's that... I've been so eager for the conclusion. Yes. And the next thing, like, I need to see what happens. Yes. But it just kept continuing issue after issue. And I'm like, oh my God, And it, when will I get to the finale? When will I get to see how this all resolves? It should be pointed out. It's anticipation.
1: Out that like... A lot of other writers are guilty of taking the X Men that we love so much, the ones that sell the most comics, like Wolverine or Cyclops, whatever, and making the focal part of the story. We have not seen Wolverine for two issues. No, he's He's been been, like rebuilding his body, pieces, healing for two issues. They've been concentrating on Phantom X and Psylocke, right? Two characters that I really don't care about. The new Deathlock, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Characters that I really don't care about, but Reminder has made them so interesting. Suddenly, Psylocke is very human. We see how much she actually cares about Warren, which we haven't seen for years and years and years. Like I haven't loved her since she's been prim and proper British Betsy Braddock, and that was my Psylocke, man. I hated Ninja Psylocke. The new Deathlock is awesome. <laughs> he like. Has to fight his way through a logical conundrum to understand love. I had to learn love. I (laughs) had to learn (laughs) love to... (laughs) Telling the team how much he loves To defeat (laughs) war. Yeah. Phantom X has this weird relationship that he's sort of built with Betsy. And all of a sudden, I care about this character. There's this... Phantom X
2: is a great character. He
1: really is. And like I didn't particularly care for him when Grant Morrison created him in New X-Men. But he's become so interesting. It's such a great part of this team. And he has
2: two brains. Didn't know that.
1: I am not... Going to spoil anything, but the ending to this story, the last page of this book, the very last page—that was awesome. Was amazing, and it reminded me what I love about X Comics, and especially we're in the middle of a reboot with Wolverine and the and the X Men and Uncanny X Men. That is fine. It's being done okay.
2: It's good. Wolverine and the X Men is really great. It is. The books are but Uncanny
1: X Force is the best X title on the stands. Buy it. It's true.
2: I will say there was only one way this story could end. Like, there's no way it, certain people are coming back from this. There's yeah. only one way this can end. I could not believe the last page, the yeah. ending. I I was knocked down. I laughed out loud. I was like, ha! It was just awesome. It was so well
1: executed. Yeah. I give really? this
2: book... The strongest of Biats. I'm
1: right there with you. And all the characters that they brought over from the Age of Apocalypse universe. I can't tell you how much I love those characters. (laughs) I hope they stick around. I want the good guy Sabertooth so bad. He's so much more interesting than the bad guy Sabertooth. That's true, but we're getting the bad guy Sabertooth back. Deal with it. So, that is a double buy it for Star Wars, Agent of the Empire, Iron Eclipse, and for Uncanny X Force 18. As always, we want to know your opinions of the comics we reviewed, so hit us up on our Facebook page and let us know how immature and sophomoric our dumb opinions really are. You're dumb. Now it's time for Matt and
2: I to set the coordinates of the USS Two Headed Nerd for the NGC 4889 Galaxy, where NASA scientists recently discovered the largest supermassive black hole in the known universe the only force powerful enough to stretch us to a filament one atom thick as we approach the speed of light while reviewing ten comics in the ludicrous
1: speed round I wrote that and I feel like largest and supermassive are kind of redundant
0: yeah,
2: ludicrous speed job, journalist. go Batman and Robin number four
1: this book is so great I love the I nobody love character it. I love what they've done with Damon I love the weird secrets that Damon's keeping buy this buy this buy this oh. Damien buy it and the art Awesome Pat Gleason you're awesome The screen, number one uh, This is based on a book by Guillermo del
2: Toro and some other guy And it's about weird eastern block vampires It was creepy It was super creepy And I am excited for more Buy it Oh great art by Mike Huddleston Oh yeah Avengers X-Sanction number one. Okay, I had
1: a tough time with this one because I wasn't sure if I enjoyed it because nothing absolutely offensive happened or because not that much happened yet. You say you but, enjoyed it because it, you were super strong. And I was super strunk. I did enjoy this. The art was pretty. I'm giving it a buy it so liked far. I like it too. The Shade, number
2: three. I am going to mention every issue of The Shade and the Ludicrous Yes, you are. Because sales
1: on this book are so low yes, they that there's are. a chance it might not even finish. Never trust DC to end something when they should. Buy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buy it. Carnage USA, number one. Uh, you know what? I don't care about Carnage. I think the character's really stupid. He seems like a Venom ripoff to me. But you know what? This story was really creepy, and Clayton Crane's art is disgusting, and I love what they're doing. He's they sort of Carnage is like a zombie outbreak almost. This was fun. I'm giving it a buy at Battle Scars, number two. I said last month that if they don't reveal the
2: mystery between this character in the second issue, I'm out. They didn't do what I asked them to do, but they set it up, and the reason why... He's still going along with the mystery. is compelling. I'm
1: still in. Buy it. The Ray, number one. Uh, Jimmy Palmiati and Justin Gray writing a book I didn't know that they could write, but they did a really good job giving this character a very human feel, and I'm kind of interested. The art by Jamal Eagle is gorgeous as usual. I'm giving it a buy it. I'm giving
2: it a skim it because the lead character spends the entire book explaining everything that's happening. I didn't mind
1: it. I kind of liked him. Hawken, number two.
2: Hawken, number two, was brutal and more vicious than Hawken, number one. It was totally great. I love it. Buy it. Batwoman, number
1: four. J.H. Williams is a master, and this art, yeah. is, this art is so beautiful to look at. I don't even know what to say.
2: I love how Batwoman is painted in every scene she is, is yes. in when everyone else is not.
1: And now I will say the story is wearing a little long, but it's so no. pretty no way, that I, I don't it. mind. I'm still totally in. Buy it. Pigs, number four.
2: Uh, this has uh, been a fun little series about uh, some
1: Cuban sleeper agents like made for fx man i want to see this on tv now
2: yeah it's really fun i'm having a blast with it uh check it down buy it
1: that is your ludicrous speed round and zroosh is the sound archangel in apocalypse armor makes when he's roasting a fool with his eyes lasers or his hand lasers
2: or maybe both it was a little unclear where the lasers were coming from (laughs)
0: Now it's time once again to enter the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the all-seeing eyes of the Vishanti have granted us the boon of future knowledge and bestowed upon us the mission to peer ahead at next week's comics. Joe, what mysteries have Agamotto, the all-seeing, Oshter, the omnipotent, and Hoggoth, Lord of Hosts, revealed to you? Great intro, by the way. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Batman Incorporated Leviathan Strikes One-Shot. By Grant Morrison, Cameron Stewart, and Chris Burnham Stands out from the sea of other titles It's about damn time, by the way Batman realizes to his horror that he's been outwitted As the true identity of Leviathan continues to elude him Dun, dun,
0: dun Yes,
2: is his deadly adversary an old foe with a grudge to settle a new
0: face of evil Or something completely different Uh Uh-oh Matt, what is your choice? I picked The Activity, number one, by Nathan Edmondson and Mitch Gerads. Mitch Gerads. Gerads. Mitch (laughs) Gerads. This is written by the same Nathan Edmondson that gave us Who is Jake Ellis, which I could not say. And I Grifter. And Grifter, yeah. I loved his Who is Jake Ellis, and this sounds like it is very much in the same vein. You've got... The evolution of global war, necessitating the evolution of special forces to rise and meet the call. The U.S. Army has therefore looked into its last secret special operations tribe, the Intelligence Support Activity, or, quote, Gray Fox. (laughs) Within Gray Fox is a team of elite men and women whose mission is flexible, whose technology is bleeding edge, and whose execution is precise and lethal. They are Team Omaha. Hey know, yeah. yeah, whatever. And they serve the activity. Sounds awesome. As always, we want to know what you guys are reading, so let us know on our Facebook page what you're excited for next week. It's time to introduce yet another new web extra!
1: Get excited! That will be featured on the 2 nerd.com in a feeble attempt to drive traffic to a website that we still don't even have yet. We're calling... The state of where? Low blow, man. We don't so much review a comic, but we discuss the state of a character. On this inaugural edition, we'll be discussing the state of DC's Batgirl. As you may have heard, Barbara Gordon is once again Batgirl, and that means no more wheelchair, no more paralysis, and possibly no past as Oracle. Some readers love it, others aren't so happy with Babs' new status quo. Joe, where do you stand on this new Batgirl?
2: I was not super thrilled about the relaunch. I was excited for the relaunch when they announced it was going to be Gail Simone. And I was even intrigued when they said Barbara Gordon, even though I love Oracle, the idea of Barbara Gordon kind of getting back on her feet, so to speak. Sorry, that was terrible. I didn't mean for that to be a pun, (laughs) but uh, I and so I was excited. And when it came out, it didn't feel like a typical Gail Simone comic there was a lot of I felt that there was so much writing on the reason why she is no longer paralyzed that I felt it's been a mistake for uh, DC to play it close to the vest and they still have not revealed why Barbara Gordon is walking and I don't think we're going to get that explanation anytime soon I also don't like how she's been kind of portrayed as a wilted flower that
1: just can't handle herself see this is where we totally disagree and on this book
2: I know what you're going to say. You're
1: going to say that that's the point and that she's jumping in with both feet. I think that's absolutely the point, And I think Simone has done a fantastic job. If this character was supposed to be paralyzed one year ago and now no, three years ago, I think they're just saying that she got out of the chair like three years ago. Something may have happened, but she really just got oh, out of the she chair. She became
2: paralyzed three years ago. Yeah one year they say in this issue that one year ago
1: she got out of the chair
2: she was yeah able to walk again
1: and now she's flipping around jumping off buildings and kicking people in the face i think it is totally natural for her to have a li- she should have a little bit of trouble or that's just stupid yeah but you don't think a, n- you don't Second think a whole all,
2: year of recovery for somebody that's been no. trained by batman
1: no not who had a major spinal injury and couldn't walk for three well, years but no that's <laughs>
2: not my main argument anyway my main argument was there is no way that anybody lets this occur D- am i supposed to believe that batman does not know that barbara gordon is back out there
1: i think batman does but he's busy with his own stuff now we saw dick <laughs> Whatever, grayson he's a- batman we saw dick grayson approach her and say hey this isn't Probably a great idea. Are you trying to get back in the chair? And I, I thought that was really well executed. I really liked that issue. And I like the way she dealt with them. I like the flashbacks where they show that, like, they had this sort of, like, teenage love affair type thing. And it's always been back and forth. Maybe we don't really know if they've ever really gotten together, but I like what they've set up. This is interesting. And I think it makes sense that they're treating her like this because she was paralyzed. No, and I get it. But and I and now I will say I don't love the mirror character. I don't necessarily love the story that's going on, but I know I see why Gail I see her working. I know why she introduced this to show like to bring in this conflict. Like maybe you should not be doing any of this. And maybe the villain is a little ham fisted to illustrate that. But I think Gail Simone is doing a really good job here. And I totally buy this Barbara Gordon. She reads like a girl to me. She acts like a girl. Not just that. She reads like a damaged girl because she was a damaged girl. Now,
2: you'll notice me staying quiet during that whole I diatribe because I don't want to get the emails <laughs> from our vast female audience. Whether
1: or not. I mean, she does. Whether or not she was Oracle. I, I mean, that kind of sucks because I love the Oracle character. But judging this book solely on the fact that it is what it is. We're not going back to what it was. I'm saying this is a well-written character and I like where it's going.
2: And I'm saying I appreciate that point, and I even concede it. I do think that that's what the book is about. I don't think the execution is getting the job done. So
1: we've established that I'm right and you're wrong. No. Okay. And I I also... Moving on.
2: Going going (laughs) back to the Nightwing thing, you think it was okay for her to just, for no reason start punching and kicking him and having a fight. I think
1: she's absolutely Instead frustrated. Instead of actually talking. I bought that she was frustrated. She didn't like the way that he was treating her and she's always felt that he looked down at her a little bit and now, you know what? What's the best way to show this guy that you are in shape, that you can handle yourself? <clears throat> Kick him in the face. But he can I, totally see, handle See, and it. I think that you you treat me like I'm one of the boys because I'm just as good as you. Whatever.
2: Right, and I understand that but I think you are reading into it things that are not there i
1: don't i really don't think so i I think think,
2: you're adding you're projecting your own thoughts onto that scene i
1: really don't see it because i thought it was really well written i mean it was all right there everyone is telling her maybe you should not be doing this and she's saying i have to do this i've been given this gift this miracle we don't totally know what it is yet I can walk again. And if it means that I end up back in the chair, so be it. I'm going to do what I can do for the time that I can do it. And I feel like Gail Simone's doing a great job getting that across.
2: Well, I will say that I liked this most recent issue better than previous issues.
1: I thought the latest issue was fantastic.
2: It was strong. I am not a huge fan of the art. I think he's okay.
1: I feel like he's improved. I think he's just okay. Yeah. Adrian Saya. And uh, Sayaf really hasn't done a book like this before either.
2: It's true. But now that we're past this first story arc, uh, the, the main plot kind of concludes. I am interested to see where it goes, but I really need this whole Oracle thing. If she was never Oracle, just tell me and I will deal with it and yeah. move on. But don't drag it out because well, the
1: fact that they're not telling us leads me to believe that they're going to try and explain it somehow. Yeah, which is kind of silly. That means a lot of stuff happened to this character in the past four years. It's true. What would John Ostrander
2: <laughs> think, creator of Oracle?
1: Let us know what you thought of our new web segment at our Facebook page, and stay tuned for more THN Web Extras coming soon. What matters is Joe Patrick's wrong and Matt Bomb is right, and that is it. Two Edit Nerd this week! If you don't think our transformation into the TMZ of comic book podcasts is yet complete, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes where your star ratings are appreciated, but written reviews light up our rosy cheeks with holiday cheer. Thank you again, to everyone who clicked our donate button at TwoEditNerd.com, and if you haven't, your donation in any amount. Not only helps keep this show going, but keeps both our Xbox Live Gold accounts active so DJ can continue to watch me smash his pathetic baby gamer score. <laughs> As always, you can
2: find all things Two Headed and Nerdy at TwoHeadedNerd.com, like our Twitter handles and links to Ask a Nerd, where you can ask any of your comic related questions. Also, don't forget to send us your submissions for the THN mascot contest.
1: Obviously, you've been forgetting for the last six weeks. In Again,
2: a row. they don't have to be Picasso's people. <laughs> any talent level just fire something off the winner will be voted on by you guys and will be featured heavily wherever we have a web presence i'm not reading that line anymore
1: it just leads to heartbreak if that's not enough head over to our facebook page we can become a fan of thn and answer the question of the week this week's query where do you stand on j michael straczynski is he a comic writing genius or just an egotistical hack who never finishes what he starts. We are not leaning in one
2: way uh, at all. I might be. Next week, the comic pushes are back, so be sure to send us your requests for reading suggestions. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our good buddy Chris Wenger, who still had the nicest things to say about the show, even though I had just called him to tell him he was a deadbeat. And that I was canceling his pull file
1: at Legend. To be fair, uh, he might be a government super spy now.
2: It's true. We don't really know. Where do you, Chris? And until next time, true believers. This is the two-headed nerd signing off.
1: Dude said our podcast was the best comic podcast out there. Just saying.
0: Just saying.